The Women's Fund for Scotland is Scotland's only dedicated fund for women and girls. I'm Susan Morrison and this is our podcast where we talk to inspiring women improving the lives of those women and girls today. Lindsay is the CEO of the only charity run by and for autistic women and girls in Scotland with a great acronym, SWAN. What a fantastic acronym. Sorry, but I just have to say this. The Scottish Women's Autistic Network, SWAN. What a lovely, lovely name. Um, And this network fascinates me because you enshrine something that a lot of disabled groups I've worked with uh, believe in as well, which is working with and by and for, basically you're putting autistic women in the centre of all your decision-making and all your actions. Would that that be accurate? Absolutely. I mean, we are um, an autistic-led charity, so all of our staff and volunteers are autistic. I'm autistic. The majority of our trustees are autistic, so not only really are we putting autistic women at the centre of, of everything we do, we are only autistic um, autistic women running the organisation. And what is it really that, that Swan sets out to do more than anything, would you say? I think internally what we set out to do is to create um, a, a community, I suppose, a space for autistic women to be to be able to come together and meet other people like themselves and understand themselves better and support one another and connect and and just feel not not being a minority for once I suppose as neurodivergent people in a majority neurotypical world we're we're in a minority and we're also to a certain extent in a minority as women so it's having a space where actually we're in the majority and um, we get to meet other people like us and and realise that we're not broken neurotypical people who don't quite fit in sometimes to society we're just perfectly normal autistic people and once we're around each other we you know we get a chance to see ourselves reflected in others and and feel that and it has a an impact then on our well-being and our self-confidence our sense of who we are i feel sometimes especially autistic women feel very isolated in modern society i think they are i think they're isolated from one another um i think they're isolated within understanding of autism because we tend traditionally to see autism as something that affects men more that affects young boys more and until quite recently autistic women haven't really been getting diagnosed and we didn't really know that women could be autistic and so consequently a lot of autistic women might live well into adulthood 30s 40s sometimes 60s or 70s before they realise that they're autistic. So they've even sometimes been isolated without knowing that and they just feel like they don't quite fit in. That's a lovely phrase, they don't quite fit in. And I feel that Swan is reaching out to help them to fit into a community that perhaps they've been denied for such a long time, which is just the most, I think it's just a wonderful achievement. So what did Women's Fund for Scotland funding allow you to do? What the fund has allowed us to do is um, start back up and expand on our local meetup groups for autistic women. Prior to the pandemic, we had a couple of groups meeting across the Central Belt and and in Aberdeen. Um, And obviously, as with with everybody, everything that we did went online during the pandemic. We've maintained a lot of our online delivery because it means people can access what we're doing from wherever they are in the country and it actually works quite well for a lot of autistic people not to have to socialise in person but when we asked people what they wanted they said that coming out of the pandemic they really did want the opportunity to get back together in their local area and actually meet people that live down the road from them get that peer support just hang out with each other share experiences 
So we've used the funding to contribute to employing a, an autistic volunteer coordinator who is recruiting and training autistic volunteers as facilitators in different regions around Scotland to run local groups. And we've been able to expand from um, working kind of largely Glasgow and Edinburgh out into more rural areas. So we're covering more of the country. So we've recently started a group in Dumfries and Galloway. We've got one starting this month up in Highlands. Uh, we've just started one in East Lothian, Dundee. I think we've got about nine or ten um, different local groups running across the country now, which the, the fund has helped us to get up and running. Oh, that's incredible. You seem to be spreading amazingly fast. Yeah, we are. It's amazing. You know, we, we've been hearing from a lot of people that um, it's been quite difficult to recruit volunteers at the moment. People don't have as much free time. They're having to work more. Cost of living's impacting our lives. Um, but for us, I think that element of being part of a community maps across to our volunteers as well. So we have a lot of people who are really keen to come and volunteer for Swan, who want to get more involved, who maybe enjoy that structure of being a volunteer rather than just coming along to a group. Um, and so people are coming and saying, hey, I live in Fife, there's nothing here. Can we start up a group? Can we start up a group in Fife? Train me. I want to facilitate it. So it, it, with the help of the volunteer facilitator in place who's designed a whole amazing process that just really works for autistic women, um, we've got a, 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 this fantastic team of, of people who are running all the, the groups in their local areas. And we've got people coming along who... You know, they're contacting us afterwards to say, I haven't really been out of the house for ages. I never go to groups. I never feel comfortable in a group. And I was so scared about coming and I just had the best time. It was so nice just to be around other people like me, to know that there are other folk in my area and just have that that one time once a month where I can just be myself and, you know, feel good about things and be with people who've got the same sense of humour as me or ask them how they dealt with a problem and, and spend that time together. So it's just been incredibly successful. Oh, the fact that you are autistic-led, you, you're leading your own training for your own volunteers, that to me sounds utterly crucial. And then the women who come to these workshops, you say that they, it seems to help them, even just to in their workaday lives, in their everyday lives, that, that little meeting. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, people are saying, you know, I'm all day. I'm around non-autistic people. I'm busy at work or with my family, um, or you know, I'm on my own. I I have a lot of anxiety. I spend time in my own head, and then I just get that opportunity where actually something that somebody said to us recently was they finally feel like they've got a place to breathe, and it really hit me when they said that because you you know how that feels yourself, and you just feel like. Oh, you know, I can just breathe and be myself and be okay for five minutes kind of thing. And it's it's that it's that little time out and that little connection. It's the same with with everyone, isn't it? If you just you just get to spend a bit of time with people that you fit in with and understand you, you don't have to explain yourself. It's like an old friend almost, even though it might be somebody that you've not known for very long. Yeah, and how it, it changes how you, you uh, react to the outside world when you know there's a community there behind you. If you've been on your own, yeah. then that's how you always feel. But if you've suddenly met people like you, then you, you, you actually feel that there's an army standing behind you. You've got that benefit. Yeah, when you go back outside, you, it's kind of like you've been, you've got your ready break glow, that's aging me, but, you know, you've, you've, kind of <laughs> you've replenished your energy reserves and you're kind of ready to go back out into the world for another couple of weeks until you come back and, and do it again. And definitely I think the fact that, 
the people who are running the group are autistic as well. So, you know, they're running the group in as much as they're organising it, they're they're hosting, they're bringing people together and they're there if there are any problems, they've been trained and, they, you know, they can welcome everybody, make sure they feel comfortable. But they're an equal part of the group. It's not something that's been done to the people who come. They're not coming along because they need something or they're being told how to be. They're, they're coming together with other people the same as them. And I, I think that makes a big difference as well. It's it's really about a collective um, uh-huh. peer support group. And if you wanted to say, well, how do you measure success? Well, you don't have to. You can just point at all these groups that you're creating, aren't you? Yeah, people come and they come back and they want another, you know, they want one down the road from from where they live and and it is the people that kind of come to us afterwards and tell us how it felt. We've actually started um we've got we have a notebook in each group so people if they want they can kind of write something down just without any pressure or you know, write a poem, draw a picture, tell us how they how they felt about it. Um, and we absolutely have people saying, you know, I really didn't want to come. I was so nervous. I thought it was going to be awful. And now I can't wait. I don't know how I'm going to manage until the next one. Or can we start another one up near me? So absolutely the measure of success is the fact that they exist and the fact that people want to give up their time to run them. And speaking for myself as an autistic woman, I can find socialising really challenging and going along to a group is something I personally would find really challenging and so we know how challenging that is for all the people that come and we try and kind of make sure we get that across to them before they come look don't worry we get it as well just come I promise it'll be worth it and that's what people are saying you know I I really didn't want to come I hate this kind of thing but actually this is this worth it this is the one time I really enjoyed it. That's phenomenal I mean is it important to you that it's autistic women coming together? It is, yes. I mean, I think there traditionally there have been a lot of spaces for autistic men and a lot of focus on support for autistic men. And of course, they need that and the, and the broader community needs spaces to come together as well. But autistic women's presentation and experience of being autistic can be a little bit different to autistic men. Mm-hmm. So I guess, we, you know, we have something in common. We maybe have a more internal experience. We've been more likely to maybe not know that we were autistic into adulthood. Autistic men are more likely to have been diagnosed when they were younger. And autistic women tend to do what we call masking. So we, we tend to kind of hide who we are a little bit, I suppose, to fit in. You know, we, we'll, we'll watch what's going on. We'll pick up on social cues and social rules and we'll mask who we are and in order to fit in um, to society. And we get very good at it. We don't always know that we're doing it ourselves. But that has a really detrimental effect on our health and well-being. But that must be exhausting. It is exhausting, yes. I don't know if you've ever been, if you ever learn, like if you learn another language and you go on holiday and you're trying to practice your French or your Spanish or whatever on holiday and your brain's trying to do one language into the other language and exhausted at the end of the day. And it's it's a bit like doing that all the time because you're, you're often squashing down your natural responses to things. So I think it's important for women to be able to share that experience together because it, it tends broadly to be more typical for autistic women and to be able to see that reflected in one another and also we have different experiences in life looking at things potentially like menstruation parenting relationships menopause these are experiences that a lot of people go through which can affect them in different ways if they're autistic i think that there's a bit of an interplay between our hormones and our experiences with relation to things like sleep and anxiety and sensory experience or how you might be viewed as an autistic mother for example so 
it's really important to have those those spaces to be able to to come together and and share those experiences uh, it's almost like you the members of your network are coming back as they are aging and experiencing their lives and that's informing your plans for the future would that be right i think so yeah i think it's important you know that we remember that artistic people are not just children we're artistic all of our lives and um, so we have to think about at the moment i think that there's there's a need for us to respond to adult artistic women because as I, I know I've said this a few times, but often we're not diagnosed until later life. So we may have lived a whole life without knowing we're autistic, without being able to have our needs met or to express ourselves properly. And we need to be able to respond to that kind of adult life part. Um, but we need to remember also that we grow older, we're going to become old autistic women and we might need care. We, you know, how, how will that work? What happens when we go into hospital? And if we go back the way, if we can work more with under 18s, if we can work with autistic girls in primary school and secondary school and those transition times through life, then maybe they won't need swan so much when they're older. They might want to come and socialise and meet other autistic women, but maybe the impact of being a minority, the impact on their mental health and well-being and anxiety will be less because they'll have been empowered to understand themselves and connect with others and feel positive about their artistic identity from when they're very young right through all of those life stages. This is a big task you have here. <laughs> is it? A little bit, yes. <laughs> but, uh, but I can't think of anyone better qualified to undertake it, Lizzie. Women's Fund Facts Women's Fund for Scotland has been making grants for 23 years, investing £3.1 million. Knowing that the the Women's Fund for Scotland is is there with you, is that is that helpful? Absolutely, of course, of course it is. I mean, and it goes beyond just having some funding to do to do the work. I think that knowing that there's somewhere that we can go as a women's organisation that will understand the value of of women's organisations, and to know that there's an organisation there that supports women's spaces and will will fund our work, will talk about our work, and will recognise the value of it is is really key absolutely particularly in with the intersections that we experience as autistic women and the lack of, of visibility that we've had in the past it was a joy actually to apply to the women's fund and think you're asking me questions about you know why we bring women together and why it's important you already get that you already you're already on board with that i'm not having to try and persuade you of the value of it uh, there's a report here that apparently only 1.8 percent of funding goes to women's groups isn't that shocking that is shocking, absolutely. I'm surprised and hor horrified. I've worked in the voluntary sector for a long time and I've worked in, this is the first time I've worked in a purely women's organisation. And I suppose when I've, when I've applied for funding, I've always thought that most funding is directed towards different minorities, people who, who need it because of their identity. And I would have assumed that there would have been an understanding that working with women was a key, was a key part of that. So I'm quite shocked, considering we're... 50% of the population. I mean, obviously, a lot of funding is going to women and men together. So it's it spread across that. But it, it does seem quite horrifying. It doesn't surprise me because, you know, patriarchy. But it's, <laughs> it's it saddens me. Yeah. And the, and the number of women I know that actually do the fundraising as well. <laughs> Absolutely. And the volunteering and, and work in the sector, you mm. know, 
one of the things I love about working in the sector are all the incredible women that I work with because I hear about people talking about inequality in the workplace and not getting promoted or having pay gaps and things and, and having spent most of my life working in the voluntary sector it's always been predominantly led by women we are potentially not earning as much as people in other in other sectors because we're drawn to that that work that makes a difference and we feel is important but we're doing all that labour, you know, we're doing all that labour for the world and, and, and at home and there's nothing kind of coming back to us. Swan was founded, I believe it was 2012? That's right, yes. Have things changed much for autistic women in that time? They have, they have, slowly. Um, when, when Swan was founded, it was it was founded really in response to a real lack of understanding of autistic women, low diagnostic rates and basically a complete lack of support and at that time back in 2012 a group of autistic women including Dr Katrina Stewart who was one of the the founders of SWAN got together and said right we need to do something about this there's nothing for us let's make it and part of SWAN's work over that time as well as bringing women together and, and supporting one another has been about changing that narrative about autistic women dismantling harmful stereotypes and trying to get a, a truer narrative out there about who autistic women are, what our needs are, what our experiences are in life, trying to influence policy, trying to make sure that we're taking into account when policy is made around not just autism services, but mental health, violence against women and girls, eating disorders, healthcare, et cetera, et cetera. And I think that has changed. It is changing slowly. Diagnosis rates are improving. Access to diagnosis, I should say, is, is improving, although the tools are, are still not really fit for purpose for women. But it's it's slow. We are the only autistic-led women-specific organisation in Scotland, in the UK, really out there kind of providing services. We often get people coming and saying, is there something in England? Is there something, you know, is there something in my country like Swan? So it has improved. The language that we've used, our understanding has changed, but definitely slowly. And there's a there's a long way to go still. Is is that really Swan's greatest challenge? Is this is the acceptance and diagnosis earlier? of girls with autism? I think it's one of them, yes. I mean, you know, a lot of people are not diagnosed and, and it's one we welcome people, whether they're diagnosed or self-diagnosed. Um, some people believe that you shouldn't have to be receiving a medical diagnosis to tell you who you are. But for others, it's incredibly important. And I think that whatever that diagnosis looks like, the access to it and, and being able to understand who you are at a younger age is incredibly important as long as it's accompanied by a true understanding of what autism is i think in the past if i had been diagnosed for example you know in the 70s or 80s it wouldn't have been necessarily helpful because of the understanding i might have been taken away from my parents i would have been told that i probably wouldn't ever get a job i wouldn't be able to have a relationship have children do all the things i wanted to do in life so i think we need to improve access to diagnosis alongside an improved understanding of what it means to be autistic so that people are not seeing diagnosis as a negative thing that they're giving people are reluctant to give that label at the moment to people and actually within the community when one of us finally manages to get a diagnosis because we might have spent years trying to get it we're like you know we congratulate one another we see in our online forum people say i got my diagnosis and everyone's jumping on saying oh well done congratulations that's brilliant so those two things have to go together we have to we have to be allowed 
to know who we are. We have to understand autism better and, and be allowed to get access to that diagnosis. But it has to go alongside a, a, a changed understanding of, of what that means, of what it means that being autistic isn't a deficit in life. There's not something wrong with you. It's diversity. We're just a bit different. Our brains are built in a different way. The same that a PC is different from a Mac um, or a Spanish person is different from a French person. We're, we're all a little bit different and that's important. It's important in the world that we have that diversity and that we celebrate it. Yeah, I, I think this one is just um, adding to the joy of the human race by making sure that everyone gets the chance to run it. <laughs> um, with um, with the Women's Fund for Scotland, do you feel as if you've got that support for the future? Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> yes, you know, opportunities like this to, t- to talk about what we're doing, um, to, to have a funder that's interested in wanting to know what we're doing and, and unpacking that and celebrating it and telling other people about it and bringing the different organisations, giving us opportunities to come together and, and connect or learn from one another, refer between one another. I think that it's incredibly important. It's not just about giving out a grant to support your work. It's about believing in what you do and looking at how that can be held up and improved and, and continued and, and for me that's absolutely key you need to know that there's people who've got your back and and believe in you and will be pushing the same agendas um as as you are so pushing that agenda of improving life for all women in scotland well i started by saying you're the best academic ever of swan and you've you've actually just proved it because on the surface you look Incredibly elegant, but my goodness me, you're working like fury beneath that waterline, aren't you? That's the analogy, absolutely. It it works, doesn't it? (laughs) It does indeed. Thank you so much. And what wonderful work you're doing. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for talking to me today. Thank you for joining us and listening to this story. I hope you've been inspired. And if you would like to support the Women's Fund for Scotland, search for us online and listen out for our other podcast episodes. 